Welcome to Pierce Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando. And we are on episode 225. Yeah, 225. 225. And now we are doing another level up review, the final of three episodes of Atomic Habits. Yeah. Now, this has been a great book. Um, you know, it, it's one of those things where there's a lot of of great like gems that you can take out of it and some some great things. And honestly, so many of the things we've already read, it, it's basically the same thing, but just said differently and maybe hmm. added to a little bit more here, added a little bit there and uh, combined certain things. And I think it's it's very helpful, right? Because for some people, the five hour work week or the four hour, uh, four hour work week, I was thinking the, the five second rule oh, yeah. might have been what did it. Uh, the Jocko's um, evaluation might have been like, how do I evaluate the things I'm doing in my life? How am I doing in each of these areas? How can I add to it? He has similar things in this book in the Atomic Habits. Um, but it might resonate differently be- based off of the way it presents the information. So this has been, I think, a great book. And uh, I know, Orlando, you said it's kind of been changing your life. Is it yeah. still, are you, no. are you sticking to those habits? Oh, know? yeah. And even more. So I wanted to get on my soapbox here for a moment because, you know, we've read all these books. And it's interesting because I have a good friend of mine who he has an MBA. He's a business guy. And I said, hey, this Atomic Habits book has really been impacting. Like, you should read it. He's like, oh, I read it a while back. It's trash. Not like, wait, what do you mean is trash? He's like, nah, that stuff, whatever. I mean, it's common sense. And it made me think, like, I could have been really judgmental and go like, you're so off. Like, you know, I could have pinpointed things in his life that he probably needs atomic habits, you know, and I chose not to. And it made me reflect on, on the idea that different books, right, hit different. It depends on what you read. Like, for instance, Richest Man in Babylon, I understand the theory and the practical application but to me, I didn't need to know a whole story to understand. Like, I already understood that, right? So to me, Richest Man in Babylon isn't really impactful to me, right? Five-second rule, not so much, right? Four-hour work week, yeah. And so it depends on, on where you're at in life. It depends who you are. It depends what you're going through. And so don't discount all these books just because, you know, you've heard somebody else say, yeah, that book, yeah, it's not so good. Read it yourself. Try to implement it because it, it means different things to different people. Also, the thing is, you know, age plays a part. It's kind of funny. We had one of our comments, and I'm not trying to highlight this, but somebody said, you know, you're an old man. You should be doing this, blah, 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 blah. And I was talking to Mike about this before the podcast, but here's the thing. Okay, I'm 41 years old. I understand. There's a lot of things I should know. And there's a lot of things I know more than most people that are six years old. The question is, was that education available to you? And so... No matter what stage you're at, don't be embarrassed. At, you know, if you're at 50 years old and you're you're reading one of these books, and you're like, "Wow, how how do all these youngsters already know this? How come I didn't get a hold of this?" Well, no, if you don't know what you don't know, right? It's same thing with reselling. Same thing with anything else. And also, if you're young and you're in your 20s and early 30s, which that's not that's not like young. Well, I don't know. Age is relative, I think, but. You know, don't be arrogant and going like, oh, I've learned everything I need to know. I don't need to know anything else. There's a lot of wisdom in listening to older people. And I think that's one thing that's been forgotten, uh, especially in this last like two, three years, is the wisdom of the ages. Like we we, we began to brush that aside. I mean, I think about this whole uh, Wall Street fiasco, right? A lot of people I see on social media going, Warren Buffett, who? I'm like, wait, wait a second. You can't discount Warren Buffett. There's a reason why Warren Buffett and his, all his books and all his teachings has changed literally millions of people's lives, right? And he himself is a very wealthy individual, right? So with every level up review, 
I strongly encourage you to take a look at each book, except maybe the Napoleon Hill book, but that's a whole nother conversation. Take a look at every book and go, you know, what is something I can take out of it that can that can change that I wasn't aware of instead of coming in with the spirit of arrogance and saying, you know what, there's nothing for me to learn. It's garbage. Da, da, da. So, all right. That's my two cents. Oh, that's good. It's good. It's good. Great points. All right. Um, how does it impact me? You want to know that real quick? Sure. I'll give you it. one example. Did you read this? Remember the story in there? There's the story of the guy that every time they went to their house, people would say, how do you keep this place so immaculate, so clean? And the guy developed good habits of just like doing little cleanups here and there. Right. And it became part of his habit stacking. And I've been doing that at my house. And I'm like, why, why do I need a housekeeper now? Like if I just, if I just make it right cursory that, you know, after my kids go to bed, I'm just going to clean, take five minutes to clean up the bathroom really quick. Right. Uh, when I do the laundry, I'm going to make sure that I do the laundry at this point in time, just do a little bit at a time, fold a little bit at a time. And over time things are done. And so, yeah, there's, there's a lot of practicality here. Yeah. So, yeah, no, that's a good point. And, and even just something small like that, like, cause you've, you mentioned spending five minutes cleaning the bathroom, but with the idea with some of these starting as small as possible, one of the things that I've done for years and it's an on and off thing, like a lot of habits until you actually, until it becomes ingrained into like your identity and what you value the most, it, it it's, it's going to be on and off. But something I've had kind of consistently is the idea of leave every room better than I found it or that mm -hmm. I walked into it. And usually it's really small, right? So I walk into a room, maybe it's as simple as, oh, there's a piece of trash on the floor here. I'm going to throw away on my way out or I'm leaving this room. I know this goes in the bedroom, so I'm going to grab it and take it to the bedroom. And then, oh, now I'm in the bedroom. And so um, I, I can, you know, my shoes are underneath my bed like this. So I'm not changing, cleaning the whole room. I'm just doing one thing to make the room a little bit better than it was when I walked into it. And if you're doing that, every time you leave a room is just make it a little bit better Then over the course of the day, you've done most of the house cleaning. Right. Because mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. super small, but it becomes ingrained into just your 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 habits, what you're doing. And one of the things that I like about chapter 15, which is where we're starting here uh, with the fourth law, is the idea of um, making a habit satisfying. And the, the fourth law is behavior change uh, is to make it as satisfying as possible. And one of the things he points out is that the, the human brain is adapted to be to desire instant gratification. And we know that instant gratification is actually not the best. Uh, you, you see that with kids. They don't understand the idea of delayed gratification. The most successful people in the world are the ones who understand delayed gratification in every field, right? If it's, if it's athletics, it's the people who will say, you know, I'm going to stay consistent and I'm not going to, you know, try and, you know, do something in the short term that's going to hurt me in the long term. I'm looking at if I'm a high school student, I want to make it into the NBA or the, the NFL it might take me years of practice and consistency to get there. And they're looking long-term and it's the long-term that's going to be valuable. But the reality is we want instant gratification. Even if you, you're able to fight against it, we desire that. And that's why something like eating a donut or um, taking that the, the drink or basically anything that's like a bad habit has a lot of times instant gratification. Watching some TV, doing this, scrolling through your phone, getting those dopamine hits. So the question or what he arises or, or brings up in this section is how can we take advantage of this? How can we say these habits that I want that maybe have a longer term gratification working out, right? Or doing something like investing money or going in and, and for us reselling, right? Going in sourcing and then listing for six hours. Like how do I make that have instant gratification? 
Well, you can do little micro rewards after each thing so that your brain associates, if I do this thing, I get this reward. Uh, and I've started doing this recently. I've started working out again. I went months of just kind of letting my health go down. And you can never tell on Mike, though, by the way, just saying. <laughs> no, it's pretty bad. Um, the leg day, when it comes to leg day, and I know anybody who's like serious, like at working out, everybody hates leg day. It's it's awful. That's why so many people skip it. it you don't get the visual, right? Like everybody wants to work out their arms because, hey, everybody sees this. But legs, it's twice as hard to work out. The recovery takes twice as long. You feel miserable for days. And people don't walk around going, man, look at your legs, right? But if you neglect it, if you neglect your legs, you end up neglecting your core, you end up with health issues down the road, you end up with imbalances over the years. So you, you can't neglect it. It's important to do it, but I hate it. And so what I've decided is I really like um, French toast and I found this kind of anabolic um, protein French toast and it takes a little bit of time to make. And uh, I have to adjust the rest of my eating for the day around like I had this this morning. But my new thing is when I do legs, I get that French toast. And so it is my reward. And so now, even though I don't like legs, I have associating leg day, the worst day of the week to this French toast. And this little tiny reward has made all of the difference for, oh, I got to wake up. Oh, I don't want to go do legs. Ooh, French toast. Right. So that <laughs> no. little connection makes a difference. No, it's great. I, and and your story was on a very practical level. And the, the one of the takeaways to that is also it's not antithetical to your leg day. Like it doesn't take away from your fitness, right? Right. Because the French, what did you, what you call the French toast? Anabolic. And what does that mean again? It, uh, it, it develops uh, muscle. It's, it increases protein synthesis. So it, it still goes along. It's right. not like you're like, hey, I'm going to work out all day and tonight I'm going to have a Big Mac. Then I'm going to eat a donut. Yeah, you know what I mean? It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Now, I like the example that he, he gives a story about in Pakistan where there was, there was uh, tons, of, tons of disease in some of the small towns and it's because people weren't washing their hands. And so Procter & Gamble got together with scientists or health experts and they figured out a way to make the soap sudsy and whatever pleasant smell. And what ended up happening is over time, everybody got into washing their hands and disease was cut down. Kind of like COVID in a little bit. Maybe they need to make better smelling soaps. <laughs> but, uh, or masks that aren't terrible. Yeah, or masks that don't smell when you wear them. I don't know. They shouldn't smell. Well, yeah, but you know, like you got to wash your mask every once in a while. What if they made masks that like, I don't know. Anyways, that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah, the whole mask thing. All right. By the way, you got to wear like two or three masks now. Yeah. yeah, did you see that? Like, I think it's like 80% protection if you wear three masks. Uh, uh, Piro's podcast does not make any medical recommendations, especially because the science on that is still out. I know. It just cracked me up because I'm like, they're showing people put on three masks. I'm like, why doesn't somebody just build one mask that takes care of all three? Like, well, what is going on in this world? Anyway, that's not what this podcast is about. But it was it was a powerful example to me of that fourth law of behavior making it satisfying because then people were satisfied washing their hands. And what happened over time was that the rate of certain diseases by fell by 50%. And then eventually people even had hand washing stations in their houses. They enjoyed it so much. So I thought, wow, that's great. He also gives the example of chewing gum, how a lot of people didn't like chewing gum in the 1800s until Wrigley decided to make fruity flavors. And then it also gave you that feeling of having, you know, clean, a clean mouth and fresh breath. And so people decided to chew gum more. So, I think I thought this was great because, I mean, you know, very basic examples of making it satisfying 
is let's say, you know, you're reselling and you don't want to go sourcing. Well, hey, you 90% of what you source is for your business. And then if you make enough profit, hey, you're able to buy something for yourself. Right. It's not going to it's not going to kill your bank account. It doesn't go against you. You're still making money in your business and it's still satisfying. So you got to find those things that are satisfying to you. Now, the interesting thing is here about when he talks about, you know, that the inverse of it, right? The the cost of your bad habits, right? Because he's talking about both, but I think we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But he has a section called the mismatch between immediate and delayed rewards. And I thought it was good because he says, put another way, the cost of your good habits are in the present, right? The cost of your bad habits are in the future. Right. And, and it's, and it's so hard. It's so hard to see, right. He mentioned about the idea of even like weight loss, right. It's something I've been struggling with all the time is that, you know, after a week you're like, yeah, but you're actually no, because you don't see results. Right. Or, or in your, even in reselling, right. You might have established a good habit and I'll talk about this in uh, two weeks. Cause I've seen it play out where you're listing, you're listing, you're listing, you're listing. And sales aren't coming through and you're like, well, what am I doing? Like, is, is this all for nothing? Like I'm not seeing right these results. And so there's this idea of, he says, as a general rule, the more immediate pleasure you get from an action, the more strongly you should question whether it aligns with yep. your long-term goals. Yep. Right. So I love that idea of the cost, right? Like you're going to pay a cost at some point uh, and you're going to get a reward at some point. And usually the worse something is, the more immediate the reward and the cost is going to come later and it's going to be a higher price cost. Whereas something that's good for you, typically you, you, the cost actually is up front, like working out, right? Like that takes, it's a little bit more than not working mm -hmm. out, but the reward comes later. And so, yeah, you've got to take advantage of that. Who's that? Is it Chris, Chris Pratt? That's who I was thinking of. So Chris Pratt, um, I heard an interview and it kind of changed my thinking and I've actually applied this, that concept. And it's very similar to what's being talked about here with that cost idea. Uh, but he was talking about, cause he had that huge, did you ever watch Parks and Rec? Oh yeah, he was he was a uh, he he was relatively unfit like the first couple of seasons, right? But like, I think that was his character, wasn't it? Because he broke his leg. Well, it was, but he was. It wasn't like he was a super fit guy who got unfit for that role. Like he, oh really? Yeah, like okay, he was just an, okay. like a not the most fit guy, and he ended up getting really fit. And now he's like you know playing in in Marvel movies, and he's taking his shirt off, and he you know looks great. And he talked about that process of getting there. And he said something that resonated with me. And I think, again, it applies to reselling. It applies to pretty much any good habit in our life. And he said, when I was eating food, eating junk food, I felt amazing. Like in that moment, like I loved it. It was like, I the can peak, resonate. He's like, it's like the peak of my day is when I was eating. It's like, it's like I was celebrating. It was like just amazing. And then the rest of the day, I felt terrible. So small, very small peaks in my life and lots of time of just feeling like, ugh. And he said, and then I decided I was going to start eating better. And he goes, honestly, eating is now my low points in my day. I don't want to eat the food that I'm eating. It's not the most satisfying. And so instead of eating being the most exciting parts of my day, it's like the worst part. But the rest of the day, I feel pretty good. So instead huh. of having huge peaks, but only for like a half hour at a time, a few times throughout the day, he has small valleys a few times throughout the day. And the rest of the day feels pretty good. And it's like, how much does that go for even things like, like reselling? I can... I can sleep in today and not go garage selling. It's going to feel great right now. Or I can get up and I can go garage selling and get it done and then come home. And then the rest of the day, I'm just like, yeah, I accomplished something. Oh, yeah. Right? When you like, take action on, on, on an item, you feel far better. Even yeah. if you don't make out 
like, well, like, even if it doesn't work out, you're still glad you took that action. Right. But it's interesting here because I I was thinking about a few things. So I wanted to get back to this idea of, you know, you got to have the most satisfying things, right? The little things that keeps you motivated, keeps you going for the habit. And then there's this idea of the long term is hard to see. And we want that short term gain. And I hate bringing this up because I brought this up in the last podcast. But it reminded me of that whole AMC debacle that I went through last year with Wall Street last year, last week. I wish it was last year, last week with Wall Street bets. And the fact that, you know, this explained the scenario to me perfectly, because if you're on social media, right, and you're following resellers, right, you see, especially I find this so much with the Amazon FBA gurus like you. I can go from one to a million in a year. Right. Like all you see it all the time. Right. But no one tells you the fact that like that's like one percent of those people. Like it's it's not it's it's very uncommon. But your mind is very capable of getting you to believe something, right? And and that's what I fell into last week. I think with this whole stock thing, where I saw, hey, here's a well, it was a sure money thing, and somebody decided to play outside of the rules. But either way, I had a belief that I could immediately make a lot of money, and then it all fell apart. But I'm a, I'm a pretty rational guy. Mike and I have always talked about like there is no easy path to wealth that usually does take hard work and it takes consistency. And I thought about what uh, James Clear says. He says, as a general rule, the more immediate pleasure you get from an action, the more strongly you should question whether it aligns with your long-term goals. Right. And then he has this subtext in his footnotes. He says, meanwhile, it underestimates what appears to be a distant threat, but is actually very likely. So your brain begins to like, you begin to go into this fantasy mode. You begin to say, hey, if I go all in right now, I'm going to get immediate gratification. And even though it's not reality, your brain somehow begins to take over and it begins to be reality. The steady accumulation of fat from eating unhealthy food, the gradual decay of your muscles from sitting at a desk, the slow creep, creep of clutter when you fail to tidy it up. So over time, you're thinking this has happened, but you're letting everything else slide. Right. And so you end up in a bigger mess because your brain thinks, hey, I'm just going to find this easy way instead of going on the slow and steady. And over time, you begin to lose because you keep going and pursuing these get rich ways of making money, which in the end, you end up poorer and poorer and poorer. And so I was like, yeah, that was me. It's odd to say that as a 41 year old man that I felt, you know, I fell into that trap for a moment, but just got to be authentic here. And then he says, if you're willing to wait for the rewards, you'll face less competition and often get a bigger payoff. As the saying goes, the last mile is always the least crowded. Right. So in reselling, it's the same thing. Like how many times do you hear about people that, you know, you're like, wow, how, how, how are you successful? How are you able to have your own business? How do you pull in, you know, a million dollars a year, whatever it is. And they'll tell you, well, I've been doing this for 10 to 15 years. This wasn't an overnight thing. Now, you will see the Amazon gurus all the time push like, hey, I just started this last year. I've been, especially the dropshipping people, they're the best. I just started dropshipping during COVID and now I'm a multimillionaire. But the chances that any of that is true is probably highly unlikely. Anyway, that's my two cents again. That's good. Um, are you good to move on to I am good. I am good to move on. Oh, wait, can I read one more line? Yeah, go for it. Okay. James Clear says... It is worth noting that it is important to select short-term rewards that reinforce your identity rather than ones that conflict with it, right? So it goes along with your idea of 
you're eating the anabolic French toast. Mm-hmm. It sounds like some mutated French toast. But the idea is, is that your identity is I'm going to be a healthy person, right? That goes back to, I think, chapters one and two, where instead of saying, hey, I'm just going to be a person that works out. No, it's I'm a healthy individual that takes care of myself and is serious about it. As a result, these short term rewards are going to fall in line with that. Right. They're not going to be like, oh, I worked out hard. So I deserve a reward. No, it's I'm a healthy person. I put in the work and here's my reward for that work. Yeah, no, that's very true. I mean, honestly, I could probably get way more instant satisfaction doing and, and I haven't done like super hard drugs. So like I, I, I'm not speaking, but but, you know, like there's certain things you're going to tell us another story. No, but there's you know, I'm sure that that taking something like ecstasy would create intense pleasures in my brain for however yeah. long that lasts. Right. Whereas, you know, eating anabolic French toast is very small amount of pleasure, but it connects with that identity of, like you said, of who I want to be. You should like clickbait this, how anabolic (laughs) French toast changed my life. Or, uh, or, or don't do ecstasy, eat French toast. (laughs) There you go. That's our, that's our title. Um, That'll get us nowhere. Yeah. So, um, anyways, um. So the next chapter is talking about sticking with good habits because this is the this is the part that's hard for a lot of people. A lot of people can start something, and that's why we see huge drop offs for New Year's resolutions and things like that. Is we think very short term, and it's hard to make things last. And I love the the some of the arguments or some of the the things he he puts forward here in this chapter. Uh, he talks about the idea that um, one of the most satisfying feelings you can get is just the feeling of making progress. And a big part of this chapter is. Uh, actually measuring and tracking your goals and doing it consistently. and Not your goals, your habits. Your habits, right, right. Um, and so when it comes to tracking, I've found that in my life, the tracking makes all the difference in the world. Again, going back to fitness, and I think there's a reason why it's not, I don't want to, this is not a fitness podcast, but the reason why books like this, money books, all this stuff, use fitness as a, as a metaphor so much, is it's such a perfect physical example of mental, emotional, and financial things, right? Like it, it really is a great metaphor. Uh, but so he makes the claim that one of the most satisfying feeling is the feeling of making progress. So I remember the first time I had a goal of like, I want to be able to bench 225 pounds. And that was the goal. And I thought like, if, once I get there, I'm going to be super happy. And I remember I would, I would, I started tracking. I got this from my dad. He actually had a log book that he'd write every single workout in every rep, every set. And I got an app now that does that. And I can pull up months worth of my working out and I could see the trends right? Like a stock trend, except for it's always moving up. Sometimes there's little dips, but it's like, man, over the last six months, I've made like a, a, a 25% increase in, in this lift and I can see it, right? It took a lot of time, but when I put in my numbers today, even if it's like, well, I didn't, I didn't reach my new goal of, of being able to bench 300, you know, I've already passed the 250 or the 225. And so I haven't got to this goal, but look, over the last week, over the last month, I, I've made like a 2% increase. I can see it moving up mm-hmm. and watching that, seeing that progress. And it reminds me of a Jocko Willink quote that I heard where he said, it, it, he, he kind of feels like Sisyphus where people ask like, do you feel like Sisyphus, which is, you know, the ancient Greek uh, mythology of, of the guy punished to push the stone up the hill and when it gets to the top, then it falls back down. It's like basically wasted labor. There's no, never accomplishment. And he said, but the reality is pushing the stone up the hill is the reward for him. It's the daily making progress. And he said, if I ever got the stone to the top and it stayed, I'd push it back down myself because it's the constant getting better, constantly feeling like you're improving and and tracking it. And so little things like tracking fitness, tracking the macros and calories that I eat. And every day at work, I have a little to-do list and I literally put a square 
and the things I need to do and a square next to everything I need to do. And as the day goes, I put check marks. And by the end of the day, as I'm seeing these check marks go, it's that in some ways it is the reward is it's like, oh, only three more items. Oh, I get to click that one off. Right. And tracking actually becomes part of the reward. We wanted to take a quick moment to thank our sponsors for this episode. Hey, everyone. Ever found yourself too busy to list or wanting a scale and not knowing how? Well, we've partnered with a great service called Sellhound. They will help you do much of the heavy lifting and can benefit your business in many ways. Sign up for listing services with Sellhound and receive 25% off your first purchase or 25% off your first month of a Sellhound monthly subscription. You can do this by using our promo code all in caps, Pure Hustle 25. That's the numbers, 25. By the way, everyone gets three free listings to try out before any purchases. Just go to sawhound.com and subscribe using our promo code, Pure Hustle 25. Oh, it's great what you're saying. Because, you know, I kind of struggled with the chapter when he talked about making it satisfying. Like, I understand it, right? But what if you can't find something tangible? Right. But the tracking in itself can be satisfying. And he talks about that. Now, what I do like is he talks about like people have this saying about never break the chain. Right. So meaning that your habits, you may slip one day, but only make it that one day. Don't go two days. Right. Because then the habit begins to go away. And actually you're forming a new habit, which is a bad habit. Mm -hmm. So I really like that because, you know, there's times when you're doing something and it's okay if you let it go one day, but if it becomes two, I, I strongly believe it can get to three. And before you know it, six months down the road, you're like, oh yeah, I remember doing that. Mm-hmm. And you stop doing that, right? So never go more than one day without doing something. But don't we beat ourselves up a lot when when you miss one day? I'm going to list I'm gonna list 10 items a day and you go a day and you didn't list 10. Why is it that it's so much easier for us to go the second day? Well, I didn't list 10. I've already failed, right? Like, yeah. isn't that crazy? We believe that. And like, he would make the I'm, argument, yeah, just do three at least right don't i mean you may not hit that 10 but as as long as you're consistent because it's your identity it's what you're doing and and what i liked about it is it made the satisfying part tangible uh of you know you could observe it you could see it i mean you see this all over social if you're not on on instagram uh on instagram you'll see a lot of people they have listing charts right i mean i think there's some people that like sell them i don't know but, you know, you could just make your own chart. In reselling, right, one of the things that you need, especially if you're selling on eBay, is the idea you need to be constantly listing. And it is a habit that you need to develop, right, in order for your business to be successful. And if you can make just a simple, if you're struggling listing and being consistent every day, just try the habit tracking. Try it for one month. You know, get, I don't know, get graph paper, get, I mean, buy one off of Instagram, off of somebody, whatever it is, and say, you know, I'm going to do 10 a day. And then just track it, right? Because it'll feel satisfying. Once you hit that 10, you'll feel satisfaction. And then you And isn't it funny that we we know this, right? Like if you have kids, I think most people at some point did like a star chart or like a sticker chart. Oh, those always fall apart though. Yeah. They do, but but kids or marbles, like like I I've done the marble one too. Right. Like it's amazing. Like even high school students, they'll get behind it of like, all right, we're gonna fill up this marble jar. And when we get this marble jar filled, we're gonna have a party, pizza party, and these are the things you need to do to do it. And people love it. Like, oh, do we get marbles for that? I mean, it's funny when you have high schoolers asking, hey, there's nobody absent today. Or we all have our books. Do we get marbles for that? Like they want the reward. They want that temporary reward. 
And we know that it works with kids. Like we try that for a time. And again, the problem is, like you said, it's, it's usually the, the adult that the habit falls. Like it's not that the yeah, kids are like, yeah. I don't want, they still want the stickers because they know when the, the chart's full, they get a toy or whatever it is. But you know, with a kid that tracking your progress and having rewards is the motivator. And yet at some point when we become an adult, we forget, we stop, <laughs> we stop tracking our, our progress and rewarding ourselves when it's like, man, like treat myself like I'm a two-year-old. Like here's the things that I want. If, if I want to get this reward, I want to buy this new camera. I want to buy this new, whatever. Here's the things I need to do. And every time I get one step closer, I'm going to give myself the sticker. Even if that sticker is just a checking off a to-do list or, you know, whatever it is, like reward yourself and track it. Yeah, no, I agreed. And it, it, again, it, it's, it seems so simple, but it's, it's so, it's so simple, but yet so difficult for many of us to do, right? But it's just about getting it started. And again, going back to the idea of never miss twice, but I like what he says here too. He says, but when successful people fail, they rebound quickly. The breaking of a habit doesn't matter if the reclaiming of it is fast. And I, and I agree with that. I mean, how many people have you met in life that were super successful and something, I mean, I can talk about my own, my own life where I've had craziness happen in my life and I could have chosen to let that craziness dictate my life. Right. I could have I could have just, you know, said, you know what, I'm I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to try to pursue this. I'm not going to try to make things happen because it just leads to failure. And how many people do you know? I mean, I think of like Dave Ramsey. He's talked about what he, he lost all his money twice. Right. And he's a millionaire for the third time. Right. And it's the same principle. Right. And and again, it's about being consistent. And the reason being is I like what he says here. Don't let losses eat into your compounding. Right. And so. Once you have a great habit and you lose that habit, you're not just losing that habit. You're compounding all the losses that come with that habit being out of your life. Right. So I don't know. That was pretty powerful to me because, again, the idea is is not reaching goals. The idea is which goals will be reached if you do this. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying goals are wrong, but it's changing the mindset about, hey, if I consistently do these habits, I may fall off for a day. I, I may, you know, do bare minimum, but as long as you're consistently doing it, you're going to be okay. I mean, I, he gives the example about going to the gym. I can't tell you how many times, I mean, I hate the gym. I mean, you just got to look at me. You know, I hate the gym, but I've, I, there's never been a time where I went to the gym and after I was done working out, I'm like, you know what? I'm really, I'm so mad that I came and worked out and maybe that's happening. Maybe that's you, but I can't ever say after a full workout, I walked away and go, I re I'm really mad at the fact that I came and worked out. And the opposite is true. Kind of going back with what the, the previous chapter, uh, our good friend of ours, uh, Paul, if you're listening, I got this from you and it's, it's been life changing. Um, his quote was, um, I'm so happy I ate that donut five minutes ago, said no one ever. Right. Yeah, and true, I think true, that's true. so true too, right? Like you don't leave the gym going, man, I wish I, wish I would have stayed home. And you don't eat a donut and then the next day go, man, I'm so happy. That was one of the best decisions I made. Right. But again, it's the cost. You're paying the cost at some point. And yeah, when you break the chain, usually you get instant gratification. And the gym is a good example. Staying home for a day and just sleeping in, not waking up when your alarm clock goes off. Uh, the little things like that. It's, it's that small thing is like, oh, it feels good right now. But later on in the day, the next day. But the problem is like, I'm an all or nothing guy. And I've, I've learned that in my life with a lot of things. 
And when I'm working out and I'm working out six days a week and I'm getting up early and I'm doing it, then my diet's in check. And when my diet's in check, my sleeping is in check. And when my, my exercise diet and sleeping's in check, I'm actually way more productive at work. I spend less time like in a brain fog, not knowing what I'm doing, but I actually probably get 20 to 30% more done during the day. And it's like, it's all starts the chain. And if I miss working out one day, it's like, oh, I felt good to just take one day off. And then I'm going to take two days off. And the next thing you know, three days turns into I'm not eating well anymore. turns into I've got this brain fog. Turns it compounds. Into, it compounds. And and if I would have just said, oh, man, I, I missed one day. I'm getting back on it tomorrow. Then, yeah, you lose a little bit of momentum because that's really what we're talking about here is momentum. And so you, when you've got a lot of momentum and you slow down a little bit, you haven't lost all momentum. But if you slow down again a second day, now you're starting to lose momentum. And then eventually you're starting over. And and we're not talking about starting over with all of your progress necessarily, but that habit. And it's the habit that's going to drive long-term success. And you don't want to, I think of it like people who quit a bad habit, right? Like maybe you quit smoking. We'll use that one as an example again. And maybe you go two weeks without smoking. And that's like the worst part. It's like you've gone through all the hard stuff of like, I really want it. You're craving it. The cravings are getting easier. And then you're like, you know, what? I'm just going to have one. And you have the one and you're kind of starting the whole thing over. And it's like, now it's two more weeks of miserable because my brain wants it again. Where it's like, if you've already put in the work, like don't, don't put yourself in a place where you've got to start the habit over again. Um, don't, don't, I, I just, I love this. Never miss twice. If you miss one day, try to get back on as quickly as possible. And just think about that. If you missed once, cause sometimes we beat ourselves up and we get in that, uh, that, um, the downward cycle where it's like, because I messed up, I'm going to punish myself. And you mess up almost intentionally in, in yeah, another area yeah. of your life. Whereas if you're just to say, oh, I missed once, don't miss twice. Just make that your motto. Don't miss twice because then you're going to keep it going. And then if that's your motto, you'll never miss twice. Yeah, agreed. And so closing that chapter, I like how he ends it. Each measurement provides a little bit of evidence that you're moving in the right direction and a brief moment of immediate pleasure for a job well done. There's that satisfying part again. All right, so uh, let, let's wrap up this last chapter and before we get into our, our sponsors and so on. So accountability, accountability, right? And I think it's a, I think it's a, I think it's a big deal. Like I, I would say some of the hardest things for me to break from or to the behavior changes that I needed did not come uh, with me being on my own. It came from being accountable to people. It came to, you know, checking in with people I mean, he even talks in this chapter about a habit contract. I don't know. You know, I, I don't know if I would go that far. I think everybody, you got to do what works for you. Mm. Right. But, you know, he talks about you make this habit contract and this habit contract, basically you make an agreement with someone. It could be, you know, a verbal agreement. Or it could be um, he actually had somebody on here that made it on paper. And it's, this is when you're trying to break bad habits and that the idea has to be immediately unsatisfying. So I'll give an example. So I haven't lost a ton of weight, but I've lost like 50 to 60 pounds since we started this podcast. And I still got to drop like another hundred. But one of the reasons I lost this is before I ever read this book is my friend and I came up with an idea. And the idea was that if we don't make weight at the end of each month, we're going to donate to the, a charity. Uh, I shouldn't say this, a charity that we can't stand. Yeah. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, you were gonna give to uh, you were gonna give to something you weren't happy to give to. Correct. No. And so that was the agreement, it, and it was a large amount of money. I think there, it, was like, it was like five hundred bucks. Yeah, there were times when I was like, "Hey, Orlando, do you want to go out to eat after uh, after you know we we do some garage sales?" And you're like, "No," because I have a weigh in tomorrow, and I do not want to have to give money to this thing. And I'm like, 
Oof, that is some good motivation. Yeah. So, and it worked out. Unfortunately, I've, you know, I, I would have been a lot, I think, thinner right now had I kept that. We kind of stopped COVID hit and that kind of destroyed everything because we couldn't go to the gym and stuff. But it was a great way to keep accountability, right? Because, I mean, my buddy would like send me pictures of like, certain things dealing with all this and and it would just drive me forward like nope nope not doing it not doing it now everybody's gonna want to know you're never gonna know never gonna it is in the underground bunker in the underground vault you're never gonna never say never if if, hit me up guys so it wasn't a charity charity sounds bad organization yeah yeah i wasn't that's a better way of putting it Um, because the charity just means like we're taking away for it just doesn't sound right yeah um if you want to know um Send me your offer. Like I'm, I'm willing to talk for like maybe ten grand, five grand. If you really want to know what this thing is, we can get some dirt on Orlando out there. I have a price. Everyone has a price. <laughs> right. I don't know what it is yet. As um, long as it makes PHP move forward. That's but, right. But yeah, it was an organization I did not support. All right, now he says here before we move on. Uh, all right, to make bad habits unsatisfying, your best option is to make them painful in the moment. Mm. Creating a habit contract is a straightforward way to do exactly that. And that's what I had. And and maybe as resellers, if you're struggling with reselling, like, hey, make it painful. Make it hurt. You know, if if I don't re- make an accountability with somebody, if I don't hit certain listings per day, I'm going to have to sell you one of my items for cheap for you to resell. Make it hit your pocketbook. Whatever it is that it takes, make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's why things like, you know, diet bets and stuff like that are, are oh, yeah. so effective. You shouldn't use that example. Can we just edit everything I just said? No, it's no, fine. Um, so, um, yeah, and accountability. I think I think this. We all kind of instinctively know this for the the biggest bad habits, right? And a lot of times we have bad habits in our life that we don't recognize as like this is seriously keeping me from where I want to get. You know, if if we recognize that things like Alcoholics Anonymous works because there's a lot of times there's somebody there accountable. Uh, that you're accountable to somebody else. If I mess up, I'm going to let you know. And, and it, it's not painful in the sense always of like monetary, which I think is a great motivator for smaller things, but you're trying to make life changes. You're trying to change your identity. And so you're accountable to a group of people. You're accountable to a specific person who's trying to help you and you're 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 keeping up with them. And we know this that the same thing is true for like uh, pornography and other things that are that, that might be very devastating in people's lives that people look to accountability as a, a not just a possible but like a, a necessity when it comes to oh, breaking 100%. these types of things. Yeah. And so if that's true, isn't that also true of smaller bad habits, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not so much that we have to be in like a group that we have to meet with weekly to go through like, hey, I've got this bad habit of watching, you know, too much TV or spending too much time on Instagram. But if we recognize that, hey, there's 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 something to this thing about being accountable to somebody. And I think the, the danger is... Um, Sometimes people think being accountable is telling about their success before they get there as opposed to broadcasting the failure. So here's an example. Um, A lot of people will decide they're going to do something. I am going to hike this mountain. I'm going to run a marathon. I'm going to lose this amount of weight. And they tell everybody and they actually get the dopamine rush as if they've accomplished it and then they never end up doing it. Mm -hmm. Because, hey, they've already told everybody they basically got the same amount of excitement as if they did it. Um, whereas what you really should do is be accountable to a smaller group of people and then maybe broadcast your failures and say like, if I don't do this thing, then I'm going to like on social media, Hey, 
I, I failed, right? I'm not saying that's what you should do, but that would be the better thing. Instead of, here's the great thing I'm going to do is actually to, to have the threat of, I'm going to broadcast my failures and that might keep you. And I love that idea of, hey, Orlando, I'm not saying I'm doing this, but Orlando, if I don't get, if I don't have uh, an extra 20 items in my store by the end of the week, I'm going to give you 20 bucks, right? Yeah. Like that might be the thing. It's like, it's moving me towards the goal that I want to be at and it's, it's going to hurt. That's what the swear jar is, right? It's, it's that little thing that makes it unsatisfying to do the thing you don't want to do. That's good. Now, let's talk about something that's satisfying before we move on to our next section. Ooh, this is a good habit. So this is a good habit, shaving our heads. Yeah. So let's talk about Skull Shaver for a moment. And if you didn't catch it, the Super Bowl commercial legitimizes the fact that it is, well, it's, it's obviously a commercial, but Skull Shaver is making moves. Ooh. And it's a great product. Well, and we partner with them. Are they throwing Parasol Podcast on the on the no, Super Bowl no, we commercial? No, we weren't on the commercial. No. So oh, this is post-Super Bowl when this is dropping this episode. But yeah, I wish they had a shot of us shaving our heads. So maybe we need to do more of those. But yeah, yeah it was a pretty... I mean, it, it was great. I mean, if you watch the commercial, it outlined everything. I mean, it's, you can shave your head like in 90 seconds. It's easy. It's fast. Don't know, Nick. So, Battery lasts forever. Yeah, and so we've had several of you that have hit us up for the discount code, and uh, we're going to give it again. And so if you're looking to shave your head and keep that clean, shaven look, uh, just go to SkullShaver.com. Our promo code is PURE, P-U-R-E. Yeah, and you could have a nice pure head. <laughs> a pure head. A purely shaved, you know, a pure, you don't have to worry about hair on there is what I'm saying, right? Like, you don't have to be, be you know... It, burdened with hair it could just be just pure head see i'm trying to get a sponsor for our beards and once mm. we do that we'll we'll have the full yes here. We, so. we need some like oils or some some uh some waxes for the beard I've been, I've been working on a company we'll see what happens all right hey also along with that something that's been really helpful to us has been buymeacoffee.com slash pure hustle it's a way that you can sign up and be a member of the podcast so then later on when we have enough members we're able to uh, drop more content that's not podcast related and be able to, you know, just expand our community. And so right now, as always, we always say that, you know, we're still not at a place where we have enough sponsors that this is going to be our full-time job. And so anytime that you're able to sign up and help us out, we're greatly, greatly thankful. Uh, again, it's less than a dollar an episode. We drop about eight. Sometimes, you know, we may drop more in the future and see how things go. Eight episodes a month. Uh, less than a dollar an episode. So five bucks a month, sign up for the year, Pure Hustle Podcast. And you, all you have to do is go to buymeacoffee.com slash Pure Hustle. Link is below. Thank you to all of you so far that have helped us out. Yeah. All right. On social media, we are Pure Hustle Podcast on TikTok and Instagram and Facebook. I'm slowly getting back to getting all of you, uh, you know, squared up with us on Facebook. Uh, I've been back on TikTok again. Uh, it's interesting, TikTok. It's changing. So it's changing even more in the, man, the, the gurus have hit hard on TikTok. Mm. So if you give us a follow on, on, on TikTok, we appreciate that. It's Anyways, one of the examples that drive me crazy is these Amazon gurus that go, I go into a store, I buy something, $3 profit. I just send it on to Amazon warehouse and it's just like that. And I'm like, wait, no, no, it's not like that. Like, just stop, just stop. Mm -hmm. So keep it real by following us on TikTok. All right. We're also Pure So Cast on Twitter and on Clubhouse. Appreciate all the great conversations we've had with many of you that have found us on Clubhouse. Really grateful for that. You can always give us a call. I'm going to slow this down uh, per request of some of you. 619-738-1170. 619-738-1170. 
1170. Or you can shoot us an email at podcast at gmail.com. That's podcast at gmail.com. And as always, if you're listening to podcasts and you want to watch us, you can follow us on YouTube by subscribing and hit that bell notification. And uh, thank you for all the support. We've had some shirts recently that have sold. We've had people sign up for buymeacoffee.com slash pure hustle. And we've had just, we had somebody on Anchor like start supporting us too, which was a new one for us. So anyways, grateful for all the support. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, and write us a review on iTunes. A positive one, by the way. So, all right, let's get to our next section where we talk about the mastery of these what, what does he title it? Something about it's pretty intense. Uh, well, chapter eighteen is about genes and um, oh, advanced tactics. Oh, advanced. Oh, so the next section, yeah, yeah. Um, so the chapter eighteen talks about the idea of, of genetics, and I think this is something we've talked about a lot in the past. Um, and there's a ton out there, and the recognition. I think the reality is genes do play a role, but they're not everything, and so we often either one act like victims and say I didn't get the greatest genes, or um, we, we look at people who are successful and say like, it's just because they're genes. But the reality is like, we have to work within genetics, but most people are not going to reach their potential. And I love one of the things he says, uh, he talks about the idea that our habits are going to align better with our natural abilities. So choose the habits that suit you the best. And one of the things I thought was the best, he says, play a game that favors your strengths. If you can't find a game that favors you create one. And I love this idea of there are going to be things you're better at genetically. Um, and, and, and genetics. And I think even if you go outside of genetics and just think personality, like Orlando's more, more of an extrovert than I am, I'm more introverted. So there's certain things that, that are just going to suit him better, like ways of communicating with people, talking to people. And there's things that I can do better in that, like I'll sit and think and contemplate and, and look at all the sides of stuff. And so instead of me spending all of my time trying to be great at something Orlando's great at, I can play to my strengths. And that's what you want to see. Like that's what you see in athletes. A great athlete is going to play to their strengths. If they're, if they've got a certain body type, I mean, there's a very big difference between a sprinter and a long distance marathoner. Right. And some of that is just the example he uses. And some of that is genetics. And you could see somebody who's a, a sprinter who has, you know, slow twitch muscles as opposed to the fast twitch muscles. I think that's the, the way that goes. Um, you look at their body type, they, they, their genetics are a little bit different and they play to the sport that suits them. And so a, a, a sprinter who tries to be a long distance runner is not going to be successful in that field, right? But they can be a successful runner. And I think that's the thing is we think, oh, I've got bad genes, so I can't be successful at all. Um, but the reality is you can be successful in business, but the avenue you take might be different, right? You got to play to the habits that are going to fit your specific strengths as opposed to trying to be something that somebody else is. Yeah. This is, this is, this is tough. It's tough because we all grow up with like, Hey, what do you want to be Johnny? I want to be an astronaut. Okay. You know? And, but the reality is there comes a certain point where not everybody's built to be an astronaut. Right. Yeah. Maybe you have bad eyesight. Like that's a genetic thing. I remember I wanted to be a U.S. Marshal and what threw me off was (laughs) my vision. I was like at 2,400. I was like, yep. Can't be a marshal. Right. And so that that was a tough one for me. And, and, but luckily it, I played to my strengths and, you know, I'm not saying I'm a great communicator, but I did well in teaching and it, I played to that strength. And within certain years I moved up and it became a department chair and administrator and it worked out. Right. And I even was thinking about, you know, before the podcast, Mike is, we're talking about stocks and he's asking me questions like, Hey, have you looked at all the data here? And I'm like, uh, no, what? No, like that's, 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 I don't, that's not my strength. Like, 
if you told me to read these, you know, uh, you know, uh, vintage or these ancient texts that relate to a time in history, I do that all day. Not I'm willing to sit there for three to four hours and decipher all that. You tell me to go look at a company and their valuation, all that. I'm like, yeah, I no, I have like zero interest. And at the same time, I don't know if my mind is geared to like I can understand language. Like I can under like for example, and I'm not trying to get boring here, but my master's thesis, I had to read uh, documents from the 17th to 18th century that were French and Spanish and English. Now, for me, it was very easy for me to decipher that. Now, part of that is because my Latin-based Spanish speaking. But at the same time, I'm able to easy like decipher words and read context of words because some language, man, we're getting super technical here. There are no definitions for certain words of the 17th century. So some Spanish language, there's words that we have no definitions to. And the only way you can define it is by reading it in its context. You're like, okay, this is what it means. I can do that not easily, but I can do that a whole lot better than if I'm trying to read you know, all these different like numbers that deal with stocks and deciding what stocks to invest in. Right. And so it's kind of the thing we've been talking about since day one on the podcast, like staying in your lane, mm. like figuring out what business model works for you, what is best. Right. And so I like what he says here. You don't have to build the habits everyone tells you to build. Right. So, and then we said this in our podcast, like we may say certain things, but we're very clear that we are not the end all. We're not the gurus. We're not the ultimate authority on things. Right. Choose the habit that best suits you, not the one that is the most popular. And he follows along with that on the next page. Pick the right habit and progress is easy. Pick the wrong habit and life is a struggle. Yeah. And I loved I think the home run statement in this one for me was uh, uh, genes do not eliminate the need for hard work. They clarify it. They tell us what to work hard on. And I love that idea of, you know, some people look at, at genetics and kind of say, like, this person was gifted and I'm not gifted in this area or they didn't have to work hard for it. And, and we hate that, right? Like we hate when we work super hard for something and people attribute our success to something other than our hard work. But when we look at our genetics and we say, okay, genes do clarify what I should be working hard on. Like you were saying, these are the areas that I, I'm strong. At. And that doesn't mean you shouldn't try and improve your weaknesses. If you're really weak in an area, you should, you should try and improve your weaknesses. Yeah, I'm not saying I'm not going to try what Mike right. was telling me to do. But I, I know what I'm prone to be better at. Yeah. And I think, again, the physical is just the perfect example because there are genetic limitations even to things like how much muscle somebody can put on, right? Or, and, or even height. Yeah. Height. I mean, that's if a, you want to dunk a basketball, unless you're Muggsy Bugs or Spud no. Webb, you're under 5'5", five five, it's not happening. Yeah. No, and it's so true. And so to recognize what are the what are the strengths? And I think, again, fitness being a good one, a good example, uh, bodybuilding, I think, is like the perfect example of of seeing different people playing to different genetic strengths because genes play a role in the sense of the 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 places that your muscles attach to uh, the connective tissue. So they call it like the, the, the length of your muscle bodies or the muscle bellies. So that determines how much size you can actually put on. So certain people can only put on certain size in certain areas. So they have to focus on something else. So some people can, they, they can't get their chest and their biceps big enough. So they have to compensate by working on their back. Right. And they can still win Mr. Olympia, even if their shape is a little different than somebody else's, because they say, what are the areas that I can actually do well in? Right. And so yeah, it's the same yeah. thing. The same thing goes for something like, like reselling. So maybe I look at sometimes at the guys who are are into the shoes and they're really into collecting those things. And it's like, man, why can't I be like that? 
mm-hmm. but it's, I agree. it I doesn't, agree. Yeah. it doesn't do well for me to try and want to be like that because those aren't my strengths, right? My strengths are different, right? Maybe I'm more towards books or certain other hobbies that my interests lead to. And so you got to find where your strengths are and then that's where you put the hard work in. So just because you're strong somewhere doesn't mean you don't have to work hard there. What that means is this is where I should probably work the hardest. Yeah. And I love the inventory questions that he gives on pages 224 to 225. He asks, this is a way to find, you know, what you're better at doing. And we're talking about habits, but I think this can apply to just (laughs) trying to figure out your life. Right. He says, uh, what feels like fun to me, but work to others. Right. What makes me lose track of time? Where do I get greater returns than the average person? What comes natural to me? And I think this is different than follow your passions. Right? Follow your passions is like whatever you want to do, go for it. Right? And, and we could have a huge discussion. There's, there's people on both sides of the argument about that's, whether that's right or wrong. Right? But there's, this, I think, is more of the, the Goldilocks rule. Right, that he talks about, right? Uh, I'll just read it from your page right there. Scroll up, scroll up. From chapter 19. Yeah, the Goldilocks rule states that the human experience peak motivation when working on tasks that are right on the edge of their current abilities, right? So if you follow these questions I just read, right? What, what is fun to me but works to others? What makes me lose track of time? Where do I get greater returns than average person? What comes natural to me? That's when you can keep pushing and you can keep pushing and you can keep pushing because. You, that's where you're at. That's where you're gifted, right? He says, even if you're not the most naturally gifted, you can often win by being the best in a very narrow category. So as you take those questions, you take that inventory. Okay. Now how can you narrow that and how can you be better at it and create habits that make your business, make you make, you know, everything just better. Yeah, that was really good. Um, yeah. And, and speaking of the Goldilocks zone, I love that idea of, uh, basically he gives example that, you want to be right at the threshold of what's what you're capable of before it gets too hard and you're pushing towards like failure because failing too much isn't good and it being too easy and too uh, boring. And I think this is true to a lot of things, right? Like uh, if you were to play uh, a game like chess with somebody and you're significantly better than they are, right? I'm playing with my nephew, for instance. Every time I play, I'm going to win and I'm going to win pretty easily and I'm not going to have to think very hard, Right. After a few times, I'm bored. I don't want to play chess with them anymore. I've also played chess with people who are significantly better than I am. And I can think my hardest and I don't even see what they're doing. And I lose and I don't even know how I lost. Right. Like, well, that didn't that wasn't fun. The best games are the ones where it's right there at the edge, where it's like this person and 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 me were really close. Like we're battling it back and forth. It could go either way. But even if I lose, I, I understand why and I've learned something. And that's where you want to be with a lot of things. You want to be in that area where it's it's in the it's not too easy and it's not too hard, and it's right there in the middle. And and I think that's true for 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 every area of our life. The things that we want the most, right? Do I want to be a successful business person? All right. Well, then I should be pushing right there at the level of the amount of time, energy, how many emails I'm sending out, how many. If it's to the point where it's so hard that I hate my life, I'm probably going to fail at it. And if the things I'm doing are just super easy, I'm probably never going to actually improve. Yeah, I send an email or two out a day and it's not well, whatever, boring. You want to be right at the place of like, man, I this is about the threshold of I'm working hard, but I, I can be successful. And I think you want to be successful. Um, we, we've actually talked about potentially doing uh, Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules to Life book mm-hmm. as one of our books that we do. He gave an example, and I don't remember the exact number, but there was research done on um, rats that would play fight with each other. 
And if you have a two rats that play fight and one of them's a bigger rat that would play fight um, and one of them's smaller, if the bigger rat doesn't let the smaller rat win at least like 40% of the time or 30% of the time, the smaller rat will stop play fighting and then the bigger rat loses his playmate, right? Mm-hmm. So, so he actually will purposely lose a fight every so often, every like, you know, 30 to 40% of the time will purposely lose in order to keep the other one interested. And it shows that that idea of if, if something is too hard, we're going to give up. Like if it's mm-hmm. so hard that you, you literally cannot succeed, it's impossible. You're not going to keep pushing, pushing beyond that. And if it's so easy, right, you're going to get bored and like, I don't want to do this, right? I want to lose sometimes. Mm-hmm. No, and it's about loving the process. Mm-hmm. I, he, James Clear says, the only way to become excellent is to be endlessly fascinated by doing the same thing over and over. You have to fall in love with boredom. And I, I see that. I mean, this directly applies to reselling and the fact that so many resellers, I think they get too big for their own good, right? They they have immediate success, and then they get bored real quick. Now, it's okay if they're bored and they move on to something bigger and better that makes them more money. But if it's bad, if they get bored because they ended up doing something they didn't want to do anymore and they couldn't get used to the boring part of it and they're done. I mean, I'm going to tell you, being a full-time reseller can be boring. It can be really boring. I mean, <laughs> this is my third year and there are times that it's boring and for example, I've talked about Amazon. Like I know, like somebody else today was talking to me about Orlando. If you just did Amazon the way you did it in Q4, you'd be far better off in a year. And I, yeah, I, I think so too. I, I agree with that. But, but it's not. I, I'm gonna. I'll be done with reselling. Like I know I'll be done with reselling because, again, I've said this so many times. I'm not in it just for the money. I mean, I'm I'm in it because I love the process. I love finding treasure. I love flipping it. I love that, 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 that dopamine rush where you find something and you know, it's money and then you sell it and it validates that you knew that it was money. Like, I love that. I don't love picking up 40, well, I don't know, spatulas that are the hot item and flipping them for, you know, $10 profit a piece. Like, yeah, it makes me money, but there's, there's nothing in that for me. So, so, um, I was going to read one more quote, but I don't think it'll play. I think it's a good place to end this chapter. But I, th- I think what, what he does great is that he talks about the idea that you got to make sure that things aren't holding you back because there, there's a lot of reliefs that, uh, beliefs that play into this. But he says, finally, reflection and review offers an ideal time to revisit one of the most important aspects of behavior change, and that is identity. So again, everything that you're doing has to play into your identity. And so what he talks about is that how do you do that? And he talks about, again, taking an inventory, right? Whether it be journaling, whether it be, you know, he, t- he talks about how once a year, he just spends a few hours and he writes about what were the gains and what were the losses this year? And what, were, what was part of my identity and what was not part of my identity? What, what was a part that I decided to do something that was not who I was and I lost. Okay. I have to remember that and not do that next year. And I think it's the same thing in life. I think it's the same thing in life, whether you're a reseller, whether you're a teacher, whether, I mean, if you're a parent, a spouse, what are the things in the past year? I mean, it's, it's February, but what are the things in the past year that were not playing to your strength that you need to eliminate to be better at your strengths? Are we ready to conclude this? Or do you want to talk a little bit about, the downside of creating good habits. No, I think that's good. I think, uh, 
I, I like the idea he talks about habits plus deliberate practice equals mastery, right? Yeah. And and the the chapter before um, with that bell curve, uh, motivation was actually one of the lines that was on there. And so he, he talks that it's easy to do things when you're motivated, but the most successful people are the ones who are willing to consistently work on a habit and move forward even when the motivation isn't there. And so we, we've talked ad nauseum about discipline, but I think you can interchange that with something like consistency. Right. And so being consistent in that, in the things you want to do is going to bring you the ultimate success that you want. And I like the idea going back to what you were saying with identity, uh, the identity, he says, the tighter we cling to an identity, the harder it becomes to grow beyond it. So there's a downside to identity too. Sometimes you have a, you, you envision a good identity. What do you want to be? I want to be a good father. I want to be a great employee. I want to be a, a business owner. I want to, like, you have this identity that you're working towards, but sometimes we make our identities very, very narrow. I am a teacher, right? And that's your only identity and you hold onto it so tight that you miss the opportunity of, Hey, here's this other business option that's come to me, or here's this other thing that has come to me and you hold so tightly to a very narrow identity. And so sometimes you have to be willing to, to really think about what identity you want, because in the same way that, that having an identity can be a good thing for you, you can actually end up holding on to the wrong identity and say things like, I'm an alcoholic or I'm a this or I'm a that and let those things define you as opposed to recognizing that you can you can change your identity and, and actually grow beyond the current limitations you're in. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And I wanted to end on this last quote here. He, he states in the final chapter, and, and this is so powerful because I've shared about how before reading this book, discipline was not something I enjoyed talking about. I knew there's a place and I know that it's, it's important. It's the language I have trouble with. But once James Clear cleared up, no pun intended, the idea that habits provide freedom or you can change habits for discipline, provide freedom. It's a total game changer, right? If you're a full-time reseller, it's really easy to fall into. I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm going to sleep until I want. I'm going to source what I want. But what you end up doing is you end up being a mess and not getting things done. And I've experienced some of that myself. But the idea of establishing these good habits is to create a system. And he says this, the weight of the system is working for you rather than against you. So the momentum that you're building with good habits is just going to keep compounding and making things better and better and better. And with that being said, before we finish, hey, check us out. We're going to be on the Auction Professor's YouTube on Thursday, uh, 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Check us out there and make sure to be real. Be real. And be reselling. Please. Peace. Peace.